Chapter five of the Pathway of the Pioneer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Pathway of the Pioneer by Dolph Willard. Chapter five. They passed one resolution. Your subcommittee believe you can lighten the curse of Adam when you've lightened the curse of Eve. But till we are built like angels with hammer and chisel and pen, we will work for ourselves and each other for ever and ever. Amen. Rudyard Kipling. Flair's publisher had given her a book, for which good deed he will most assuredly go to heaven. Flair always thought of this gentleman as a favoured being who lived in an atmosphere of books. Indeed, he had only to speak through a telephone, and books were brought to him, that he might raise humbler mortals to a pinnacle of happiness by bestowing stray volumes upon them. Her impression of him was rather confirmed by the fact that when she saw him he was generally controlling an amused smile, which she vaguely regarded as the outcome of his happy lot. That she had probably caused the amusement did not occur to Flair. The book in question was Poems, and a struggle ensued in Flair's mind between a fierce desire to devour it and a duty which took her to the cat's home with a basket and what remained of a miserable stray whom r l had met upon the housetops as he had amply breakfasted with her flair for once was indignant with him because he seemed to consider that a portion of the stray cat's right ear would make a bonne bouche and she rescued the poor thing and fed and nursed it in her bedroom until such time as she could tenderly convey it to the nearest home lost animals were flair's chief charity she not only subscribed to the homes where she took them but she spent many pennies on fares to get the strays there and had acquired a special basket for the cats and a collar and chain for the dogs after some self-denial and economy we all have our good angels guiding us to practise the harder virtues Flares were none the less a spiritual agency because they came in furry guise, and perhaps if she never got to heaven, she is now an honoured guest in some celestial zoo for her unfailing charities on earth. The cat and duty having carried the day, Flair went out and left the book on the table in the committee room, as the one with the packing cases was called, by a stretch of courtesy and beatrice and alma happening to arrive before her return they fell upon it and sucked in its sweetness whereby the donor gained yet another double blessing for his gift the book was stars of the desert and beatrice and alma were sitting close together when magda entered drinking this in and when the hands were fallen apart and the loving lips grown loath a little wind from under the stars came down and caressed us both there was no respect of persons about magda nor any understanding of poetry or reverence for it beatrice and alma being in africa naturally did not hear her enter and she made a sarcastic remark about their indifference and went to take off her hat upon her return however they were still engrossed and that was too much for her self-respect so she threw the nearest cushion at them tried to snatch the book and awaited results sit on her head while i finish this will you alma beatrice said dreamily for she was in the midst of the date garden 
So Alma went to the fray, and being nearly overpowered by the taller Magda, was reinforced by Frank, and by the time that Flair returned, it looked like a rugby match, with Beatrice clasping the book for the leather in their midst. Flair rescued her property and sat upon it until she should have time to see what lay between the covers, and gradually the howls ceased and the society sat down. What shall we talk about tonight? said Hilda, a little breathlessly, for she had lent her weight and strength to the losing side, and it had been a tug of war. Oh, for heaven's sake, talk about the leaders in tonight's papers, anything that is prose, said Magda, whose propensities were warlike, and forced her to throw down the glove again. Magda doesn't understand poetry, mocked Flair. That's what makes her so annoyed with it. Know what the French forms are, April? By Jove, if I won't write you a rondelle that you will understand. It's not true French, but it's Swinburne's invention, and twill serve. Pass me a piece of paper, someone. Now I suppose we mustn't breathe while the deathless work is shaping in Flair's brain, retorted Magda, as the fountain pen flew over an old envelope that Beatrice contributed. What nonsense are you writing, Flair? Don't look over my shoulder, warned Flair, edging away. Go on talking, all of you. I can write through traffic. There was a murmured buzz, a note lower than usual out of respect for the effort, and then Flair flung the envelope across to Alma, who choked and read it out. This is Magda's rondelle, suited to her capacity. The making up is very hard and bitter. Bitter is my cup. I must reduce by half a yard the making up. For fear that there should be a rupture, I can't leave my sub on guard. Our office boy is but a pup. No single ad dare I discard. Oh, would I could go out to sup, but that I fear me would retard the making up. I hope you understand it, said Flair with sweet politeness to Magda, who was laughing in spite of herself. I like it a great deal better than those awful things you sometimes get into the gazettes, Magda declared brazenly. Now there is something comprehensible in this one. Do let me have that scribbled envelope, Alma, and I will keep it as a proof of Flair's best work. And besides, there is a pathetic point that appeals to me in the not being able to get out and meal. I dined at ten the other night, because of the printers being late with the poles. All the same, I'm tired of poetry. I've had to contend with so much tonight. Let's talk prose, please. The evening papers will do as I suggested. Has anybody seen them? The article in tonight's Gazette happens to deal with female labor, said Winnie. It suits, dear. B.A. says the education bill is rather a boon than otherwise to her line of business, remarked Frank. I met her yesterday in an A.B.C., dining sumptuously off an old meat pie and two cups of coffee. She told me she has seen more posts offered to female teachers at a hundred and twenty pounds than she has for a long time. What's the reason? Are men too dear? Oh, the LCC have got a little money in hand, and are making a show of it, I suppose. One mustn't hope that it's a permanent improvement or a sudden awakening to female worth. You see, you can't get over the fact that women can keep soul and body together on less than men, and so the price of labor will always differ. 
the scale might improve though said beatrice in her soft trenchant tones at present it is roughly speaking one-third below for women they might make it a quarter in order that we may buy ribbons said alma that's another point against us and we can't alter our characteristics i know perfectly well that if i get a good salary i shall buy things with pink and blue ribbons in them but i should not feed myself any better than i do we are rather unsensible even when we have learned by experience and the men know that and argue from it alma's english was so frequently her own invention that it was open to criticism but her facts were uncontrovertible women ought to be fed by the state said hilda positively and the wage fixed with so much allowed and insisted on for food then there would not be a chance to sacrifice health to sentiment and it would be political economy in the main to feed us well in order to improve the race to say nothing of individual effort women as alma says don't keep a steady head enough to spend wisely duty seems to call one way charity calls another inclination calls a third in the end the woman herself starves hilda speaks as if we were merely in existence to improve the race began winnie quietly for once and without laughter so we are according to nature hilda retorted we don't come under any heading of nature nusotra then they all began to speak quickly fighting to express their special experience and hardly waiting for their turn which was against the rules if you fix a wage you let in a lot of incompetence anyhow what we want is a sliding scale and tests why shouldn't the woman who can get through as much work as a man be paid the same let the incompetence go to the bottom that doesn't touch the feeding theory and they argue that the man when he marries is the one to support his family not the woman which isn't true nowadays but anyhow it might be limited by marriage or adapted to need if government wishes to encourage increase of population what we want is mere justice and the opening of a few more trades to us they push women out of it in the unions the compositor's trade is a fair instance we shall never have unions of our own until we learn to combine and the experience of all ages is against that of all ages hilda's voice rang out again but not of this age look what we've done in thirty years look how we fought our way without traditions without the necessary physique with men who have everything in their favour to oppose us and we are getting on we are getting on don't take news ultra as a fair instance we are only the failures by which a creator learns to improve his model look at the next generation and how we are training our girls to be as healthy as boys and to live with the same liberty and not abuse it in another twenty years even if we go on as fast as we have we shall raise women who can compete with men as nearly on a level as nature will go and with brains to overweight the physical difference then they will have a right to demand equality of terms and they will get them and nous autres said beatrice the locusts and the bridge said flare under her breath the pole doesn't come in doing the work once you've got it said magda we will do or die then and probably die but the real hardship is the getting it 
If a boy is to earn his own living, it's a sine qua non that his parents and guardians train him for it, look for the birth, put him into it, and do their best to help him when there. I mean parents in the position of our own. In a lower grade, I believe it is more rough and tumble. But when it comes to us, we are simply turned out at a minute's notice. I find you'll have to work now. Things are less flourishing with me than I hoped. Go out and find employment, my dear, as if it lay ready to our hand just round the corner, and as if we were capable of anything, untrained and totally without experience. Funny thing, isn't it, that a woman has so much initiative? We generally bring common sense to bear on the problem, train ourselves as much as we can, and find work. Somehow, then we starve, but we generally scrape along until the works wear out. This was Frank's contribution. Boys are given all the chances. Oh, if I had been a boy, I would have done something, if only with the ready-made future which would be my right. At this point Alma interrupted, because she wanted more claret and soda. Hilda, being the nearest to the packing-case, Alma had been trying to break in on her conversation with Magda for some minutes, and to gently attract her attention by waving an empty glass. But Hilda had been too absorbed, and so Alma began to sing to herself softly. It was the oldest of cod encores, and is introduced when some wearied comedian has been recalled so many times that the extra verses of a topical song have all been used up. I want half a pint of mild and bitter, chanted Alma on Sea Natural, and Frank, who unfortunately knew the trick, took it up sotto voce as the man in the wings on E. I want half a pint of mild and bitter. Then Alma raised her voice and sang forte on G. I want half a pint of mild and bitter. Oh, go out and pay for it, then, said Frank with a chuckle. Here, Hilda, give Alma something more to drink, for goodness sake. Hilda did as requested, but absently. Her mind was more with the question of wages than with what it would buy, though a shilling to Nuzotra means just so much bread and butter and tea as the market value will allow from it. In Alma's case at the present moment it meant a bottle of claret, of which she had drunk about a pennyworth, and wondered in her generous heart if she had mulcted anyone else of their rightful share. Having supplied her wants, however, Hilda rose to break up the meeting, with a final corollary born of her thought. After all, what do we matter? We are a passing phase, the blood of the forerunners in Mrs. Humphrey Ward's book. There will be no chance for Nuzotra, but there will be for those who come after us in the path that we have worn. Legislature for women will be the natural outcome of work for women. It always has been, and it is inevitable, but not yet, and not for us. For us, there is only to stand shoulder to shoulder, to be kind to each other individually, and to let trade unions and theories go until the age is ripe for them. Men cannot help us, the real girls cannot help us, but we can help each other. There was a little silence as her voice ceased, and they stood looking into each other's faces. Then Frank said unexpectedly, Amen. End of chapter 5